the Retro Cinema Review Podcast. I'm Scarlett, the podcast where we rewatch and review older TV and movies. Um, just a little bit about why I decided to start doing this podcast. Um, I love media, TV, movies, TV more than movies, honestly. But my problem is so much of what comes out today is the superhero genre, which I think is great, but it's not so much my thing. Um, I'm more into people and their stories and some form of drama, although I also love comedy. So I have started as a default, rather than really seeing new movies, I kind of go back and revisit older movies, and then that ended up being older television shows, rewatching those, and nowadays, I mean, when I was younger, this really wasn't an option, but nowadays, there is so many ways to consume and find and revisit these older shows that it's fabulous. It used to be, you know, we were thrilled in the 90s when shows came out on DVD as a box set, um, and now you can get it on your phone at iTunes or, you know, watch it on some other platform immediately so it's great and I'm loving revisiting all of these shows and movies Um, and hopefully you are too and I also want to discover you know shows and movies that I may have missed the first time around but things that are great so definitely send me some of your recommendations and hopefully you discover some new shows and movies that you enjoy and maybe I'll discover some new ones also this time we are revisiting a movie from February of 1989 titled The Burbs. Um, Really interesting movie, in fact. It's kind of a dark comedy, I would call it. Um, It stars Carrie Fisher, who plays Carol Peterson. Tom Hanks as Ray Peterson. Um, Ray, or Tom Hanks, excuse me, also appears in another movie that I'm going to review soon here called The Money Pit another one of my favorite 80s movies. Um, Gail Gordon as Walter Sesnick. Corey Feldman as Ricky Butler. Remember the two Corys and all of that drama back in the 80s? Corey Haim, Corey Feldman. um, They were kind of a dynamic duo, and much was made of the two. (laughs) Um, And Bruce Dern, who plays Mark Rumsfeld, Bruce Dern, if you've listened to one of our earlier episodes, he also appears in Big Love. He plays Bill Henriksen's quirky and, you know, a little off-center father. He has some interesting behaviors. So we see Bruce Dern over and over again. He's actually an excellent actor. Um, One quick bit of trivia. There is a toy poodle in this movie named Queenie. Um, She is Walter's dog. She's kind of a pampered little poodle. She also shows up in Silence of the Lambs, which was released in 1991. She plays the dog Precious. Now, I have never seen Silence of the Lambs. I know. I heard some of you screaming. But maybe that needs to be on my list, and maybe that's a new movie that I am going to discover in the course of this podcast. So... Let's take a quick break, and then we will get to the kind of meat and potatoes of this movie. Okay, so when our movie opens, it's dark in a suburban neighborhood, and you hear some banging coming from one of the houses, and 
neighbors begin to gather outside wondering what's going on what is this noise coming from this new neighbor's home so the next morning as the sun rises on the cul-de-sac we see classic suburban trappings um, we see this Mayfield place you see the paper boy riding by the sprinklers watering everybody's impeccably manicured lawns um, we see the curmudgeon who kind of reminds me of Mr. Wilson, remember with Dennis the Menace, um, except this curmudgeon has a teacup poodle named Queenie. And you can tell Miss Queenie is a pampered little thing. Um, across the street, then we see the old school veteran who comes out every morning, has a ceremony, raises the American flag, and then as he steps back to survey his flag after he's run it up the pole, he steps in a present that Miss Queenie has left on his lawn. Needless to say, he's not thrilled. <laughs> so, as life proceeds in our little suburban cul-de-sac, we then see Carol, who is played by Carrie Fisher, and she is begging her husband Ray to go up to the cabin, relax, and enjoy his vacation. Ray is played by Tom Hanks, and he just keeps telling her all he wants to do is hang out at home, relax, like maybe watch baseball on TV, but just be. His other neighbor, Art, comes in after attempting to shoot crows in the backyard and starts telling Ray that he thinks the new neighbors, the Klopeks, are strange. They don't do yard work. They never leave the house. What are they eating? I don't even know how many of them there are. As the neighborhood kind of starts to come alive, we see one of the Klopeks out on his front porch. Now, the Klopeks' house looks kind of run down, this neighbor, he's really pasty white, has very red hair, kind of a scraggly beard, but he looks young. Um, but the neighbors are shocked because he just stands on the porch scratching at this beard and he has like a dirty undershirt on, suspenders, and he just does not look like the picture of, you know, the perfect suburban family that they are used to. So he grabs a newspaper, kind of retreats back into the house, and Ray and Art just, you know, start joking around and daring each other to go and say hello to the new neighbor. Finally, they realize the whole street is watching them, so they decide to go to the front door together. And as they pound down the door, a beehive gets disturbed, and these two end up running off the porch being chased by bees. So, so much for that. So now that we're suspicious of the new neighbors, Ray and Art, the proud veteran who was branding the flagpole, the flag up the pole earlier, um, who's played by Bruce, Bruce Dern. They concoct a plan. They're going to get together to, at night. They're going to do some recon, and they're going to find out what's going on with these new neighbors. And as they stand there in the dark, staring at the house, a blinding light comes from the basement of the Klopex home and just kind of shoots out of every basement window. And then they stand and watch as the garage door opens and an early 80s model boat-like sedan drives down the driveway, no headlights, and the creepy kid who was on the porch earlier scratching at his beard gets out, pulls out what seems to be a really heavy trash bag out of the trunk of the car, forces it in the trash cans at the curb, looks around, eh, casually walks back to this lanyard of a car, puts it in reverse, and goes right back into the garage and closes the door. So the next thing you know, it's a 
crazy driving rainstorm and it has driven all of the nosy neighbors back to their respective homes and we see Ray peering out his bedroom window and what does he see in the backyard of his neighbor's home the Klopex but three of them digging holes in the backyard in the middle of the night in the driving rain not exactly what you expect to see in the middle of suburbia so the next morning we see Art and Mark picking through the garbage truck attempting to find the body that they are convinced that the Klopex put in the trash can at the curb the night before <laughs> they're throwing garbage all over the street and of course they find nothing in the truck but then as they finally walk away Miss Queenie, our pampered poodle, runs up to Bonnie, who is Art's wife, and she's dirty, and not at all how Walter takes care of her. She is a pristine, pampered little princess of a dog, and for her to be dirty and unkempt is not like him. So the neighbors realize this is not like um, Walter, something's wrong. So they go to his home, cannot get in, end up kind of breaking into Walter's house, and he's nowhere to be found. So they end up leaving a note for Walter saying, hey, we took your dog, and they take Queenie home to take care of her. Later that day, Ray is reading through a book on the occult and heads to bed only to have nightmares about the Klopex roasting him on a huge red kettle grill. Keith... <laughs> He fittingly wakens the next morning to the TV on in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, and he hears Fred Rogers singing the iconic lines of, Won't you be my neighbor? So now Ray has gotten kind of all wrapped around the axle, and it's like this feeding frenzy. He, Art, Other, and their own crazy thoughts on these neighbors. So now that these three are kind of hamsters on wheels running themselves ragged over this, um, Carol is noticing Ray's wife that something is up. And she's like, you know what? She tells his friends he is not allowed to come out and play today. And Art and Mark stand <laughs> in the driveway and beg and plead for her to let Ray come out and play. It's actually one of the lighter parts of the movie I had to laugh because it's so like a bunch of little kids begging their friend's mom, please, can he come out and play? And Carol says he may not come out and play until he resembles the man she married. So with Ray stuck in the house and able to come out and play for the day, we join Dumb and Dumber on their escapade. And Art and Mark should not be left alone together. <laughs> they decide to shove a note under the Klopex front door, stating, we know what you did. And they ring the bell and run away. So then Art runs next door and interrupts Ray's nap in the backyard and tells Ray about the note. And then Ray's dog runs up as Ray's trying to tell Art, leave me alone. I want to, like, just relax. Here comes Ray's dog carrying a huge bone, and he wants to play fetch. But the two <laughs> realize it's not just any bone, and they quickly decide it's a human femur that his dog Vince dug up from under the fence. Which fence? Of course, it's the part of the fence that borders the Klopex yard. As they stand staring at the fence, they try to figure out if the bone is a piece of litter or, you know, was it tossed over? All of a sudden, something gets tossed into the yard 
into Art's yard, and as they walk over, excuse me, Ray's yard, and as they walk over and pick it up, it's the note that was slid into the Klopek's front door. So Carol decides that she kind of needs to take the bull by the horns, and it's time to march over, introduce themselves, and have a nice, friendly, neighborly chat with the Klopeks. So, with brownies in hand, Carol and Ray Peterson, Mark and Bonnie Rumsfeld, bring brownies and go knock on the Klopek's front door. Art is not invited, because his wife is not there to keep him in check, essentially. <laughs> and poor Bonnie and Carol have to keep their own husbands in check because everybody's running amok. They can't be responsible for Art and his issues, too. So we learn that the guy who stood on the front porch and the one who drove the car out and took out the trash, if you will, was Hans, Hans Klopek. So as Hans opens the door and introduces himself, they push past him into the house, and that's when we meet Uncle Reuben, a man of short stature and very few words. Um, we also need to take a minute to appreciate the really creepy interior of this home. It's very Victorian, dark. It's the, you know, let's keep all the draperies closed tightly, even though it's the middle of summer. Um, there's a roaring fire in the fireplace. Um, very strange. <laughs> And there seems to be just, like, stuff stacked everywhere, you know, piles of newspapers and things. So Hans, being the Martha Stewart of the bunch, um, serves refreshments, pretzels, and sardines. Uh, yeah, I'll keep an eye out for that recipe in next month's issue of uh, Living. I'm sure it's, you know, A number one on how to entertain. Um... I'm not sure, though, if that's one of the recipes that Snoop contributed to Martha's Magazine or not, but, you know, we'll see. Um, Uncle Reuben then lets us know that it's not just himself and Hans, it's also his brother, the doctor. And that's how he says it. The doctor. Carol then notes that she doesn't remember the Knapps moving out, the previous owners. And as soon as she says that before anyone can answer, we meet the mysterious doctor. Dr. Werner Klopek. He is played by Henry Gibson, who greets the guests and shakes Ray's hand while wearing latex gloves covered in blood, because, you know, that's the norm. Of course, today they'd be nitrile and probably a cool color like purple or gray, but in 1987 you get standard grayish-white latex. Eh, whatever. So the doctor apologizes for what he calls the paint on his gloves, and states that he was touching up a painting, and he finds that painting relaxes him. Mm -hmm. He also explained that his work keeps them on the move. Ray, while looking for the bathroom, accidentally releases Marmaduke's brother from the closet, which of course causes chaos, thus ending this lovely meeting between neighbors. Um, as this is happening, Ray happens to see what looks like a toupee, between some magazines and quickly shoves it in his pocket. So in the post-mortem, as everyone gathers at Ray and Carol's home, Ray takes the men into his study to talk, and Carol states that she's happy he's come to his senses and they've met the neighbors and smooth things over. But instead, when Ray gets the guys alone, he pulls the toupee out of his pocket, states it was Walter's, and he previously put it through the mail slot, along with a note that they left Walter stating that they had taken his dog Queenie and would take care of her. 
and Ray says he found it in a stack of magazines, all addressed to Walter, that were in the Klopex home. We'll come back and revisit this neighborly craziness. Now that they've been in the Klopex home and we have added fuel to the fire, the next morning we see the Klopex land yacht pull out of the driveway, but this time they actually leave with the entire family, it appears, in the car, including Marmaduke, the huge dog, and the doctor. We then see Carol and her son Dave leaving for the weekend. The resident teenager of the cul-de-sac, Ricky, who's played by Corey Feldman, drags his house phone to the front porch. Remember those? Um, And he starts calling his friends to tell them of the drama-filled show he sure is going to unfold on his street tonight. So really quickly, let's pull this car off the road for a second. House phones. Before we had cell phones. And even when you first had cell phones, essentially before the iPhone was introduced in 2007, I think, um, If you had a cell phone, you only used it kind of for emergencies and only when you had to. There was no one at home making phone calls on their cell phone. No, 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 no. You used the house phone that if you were lucky, your parents let you have your own line. That was not happening in my household. Um, Everyone shared cordless phones, yes, but they had to be charged all the time. So a lot of times and especially in the 80s, before they really had good, worthwhile cordless phones that you could actually use and didn't have a major antenna protruding from the top, um, you had a corded wall phone. And it either hung on the wall, and you had an extremely long cord between the phone and the handset, so you could drag it into the hallway or drag it into the pantry or something to try to get some semblance of privacy. Or, you know, for mom to be able to drag it around while she was doing whatever in the kitchen or, you know, just to be able to use it was so much different. Also, Ricky has just kind of a regular table phone. And it appears he has a long cord that goes from the phone to the jack on the wall. So again, you would have a hugely long cord so you could pull the phone around the room if you needed to, you know, pull it from the little table in the corner to the couch or to the desk or whatever. You would just drag it wherever you needed it to be. And then careful because you would get the cord caught on people and things or people would clothesline themselves and it was drama. (laughs) Most definitely. And then your parents would yell at you to get off the phone because they needed it. So it was always. So we then revisit Art, who's now climbing a utility pole to cut the electricity to the Klopek home because he figures if there's any alarms, we'll cut them off. And don't forget, the Klopeks are gone now, for the we think, for the day. So of course, Art screws up, sparks start flying as he falls from the pole into the shed. In the end... He did correctly cut some wires, and he did not cut the correct wires. So, yeah, there's that. We then see a decimated backyard as Art and Ray start digging numerous holes in an attempt to find a body. Remember, we saw the Klopeks digging in the middle of the night in the driving rain in their yard. 
The two then decide to move to the basement because, you know, it's hot out. So let's go into the house where we saw them having a fire in the fireplace in the middle of summer, but sure, I'm sure it's cooler inside. As they enter the basement, bones, rats, and a greenish glow are noted. Your basic run-of-the-mill haunted house setup, essentially. There's a huge furnace that art pontificates must be 80 years old. And there's new conduit. Does a home furnace need to go up to 5,000 degrees like the gauge on this one says? Uh, yeah, that's a no. <laughs> it's like they're running a crematorium in the basement. The dirt floor has a loose spot that Ray grabs a shovel and begins digging at. And meanwhile, our quintessential 80s teenagers with the big hair, rock music, neon clothing have called, quote, the pizza dude. And as they celebrate the impending arrival of the said pizza, we see the Klopeks start to return home. They notice the lights in their basement and slowly and quietly hit reverse and disappear into the night. Soon, another car, one with headlights on this time, appears in the cul-de-sac. And it pulls into Walter's driveway, and we see Walter being helped out of a car. Um, and it seems that our friend Walter is indeed alive. Uh-huh. So he's not in the Klopex basement buried or in their crematoria furnace? I see. So as Ray digs deep enough in his basement hole that he's digging, he hits the water table and then a gas line. And unfortunately, that blows up the house. <laughs> Just in time for our friend the Klopex to return with the police department in tow, and they see the house explodes. As the house burns, we see Ray emerge from the flames limping. It's like his backdraft moment. If anyone saw that movie in the late 80s, we probably need to add that to the list here. Maybe it was early 90s. But it's either backdraft or it looks like an old western, the way he's walking out, like you're ready for him to, like, draw his six shooters. Oh, I made it sound like I actually knew what I was talking about in terms of westerns and guns. That was cute. So, of course, right on cue, Carol returns home to witness the aftermath. Art's trying to convince a detective that the doctor is not an actual doctor, and there's a body in the home. He knows it. The detective informs Art there is no body, and the doctor is, in fact, a well-respected pathologist. Ray then snaps and loses it and gives a long monologue on how they're all crazy, because they did all these things and they accused others hopping over fences peeking in windows he then <laughs> ray puts himself on a gurney and when nobody helps him into the ambulance he stands up puts the gurney in the ambulance jumps in the ambulance and lays down on the gurney <laughs> sorry that's one of my favorite parts of the movie and then says he needs to be taken to the hospital as he lays in the ambulance with the doors closed there's a visitor the doctor, who quietly tells Ray, you were in my basement. I know you looked in my furnace. You have seen my skulls. Those were from the naps. You know, I offered to buy the house from them, but they refused. And you know how old people become so attached to things. We then notice that Hans is driving the ambulance and Ray fights with the doctor in the back of the ambulance as the doctor attempts to inject Ray with an unknown substance. 
At the, as the ambulance crashes into a home after driving erratically down the cul-de-sac, the doors fly open, and Ray and the doctor go flying through the street on a runaway gurney. Ray starts screaming citizen's arrest as the gurney runs into the Clopex land yacht of a car, and the trunk pops open, and we see an assortment of numerous skulls and bones. It seems the Clopex were hiding something after all. Ray and Carol say they're leaving to go on vacation, and Art yells that Geraldo Rivera is coming to excavate the Clopex basement. <laughs> so that's another cultural reference. Um, back in the ooh, late 80s, early 90s, Geraldo Rivera went on television because it was, it's a well-known thing that Al Capone, at his height, had tunnels so he could go from different buildings without being seen and, you know, get away, the cops are coming, great, hit the tunnel, get out of here type thing. So there was started to be rumors that there was money and gold and all of this hidden in some of these tunnels that he had scrolled away to keep it away from the government and being stolen, whatever. So Geraldo Rivera did a huge excavation and there was a special on TV and I remember watching this special live on TV, as much was made of it, that they were going to find all of this hidden money, gold, whatever. Um, so they did this excavation of this tunnel, tore down this wall, dug and dug, and needless to say, nothing was ever found. They never really found a vault. They have found tunnels, so that was proven, but I don't believe that any gold or you know, as the Goonies would say, rich stuff was found, and definitely not on Geraldo's special. So, overall, um, I thought The Burbs was a great movie. It's good for a good laugh. I like watching the psychology of it and how these three neighbors, Mark, Art, and Ray, really feed off of each other, and it shows how they can really get each other worked up um, and kind of excited, even if it's just kind of like little shreds of truth. Um, so I found it very interesting. So there's another one of my favorite rewatch movies. Um, I hope I maybe inspired you to go check it out. It actually is a very good movie. And of course, you know, we don't go over every little thing in the movie. So it's definitely worth a watch. Um, if you have any suggestions, um, any feedback, positive feedback, please, um, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, anywhere you found us, um, or email at retrocinemapod at gmail.com. And I will be back with you soon to review either another movie or continue on episodes of the television shows we're revisiting. Come sit next to me. Bye.